I'm Nikki Hardy, and this is Chemo Chair Prayers. I'm so glad you're here. Hold on, let me take that back for just a hot second, because this is a podcast for anyone who's heard the words, it's cancer. So if that's you or someone you love, I am so sorry. I just hate that for you. So yes, I kind of wish you weren't here. But I'm also super glad you're here, because if you're struggling to keep fear and worry at bay, to trust God no matter what, or simply need a little faith boost and to feel God's loving arms around you, you are in the right place. I lost both my mum and sister to cancer and was then diagnosed myself just six weeks after losing my sister. I know all too well how cancer robs us of so much. The certainty of who and whose we are, how to pray when we have no words, the future we'd planned and imagined, not to mention the strength, peace, trust, and yep, even the joy and laughter we long for. So if you don't want to merely survive cancer, but long to thrive in the midst of it, take a seat, grab your cup of tea, let your shoulders relax, and allow me to lead you through a short story and a prayer using our guided format with the acronym TRUST, followed by a simple practical invitation to experience God's loving presence now and in the days ahead. Well, hello, friends, and welcome to this new episode of Chemo Chair Prayers. I'm your host, Nikki Hardy, and I am so excited for today's episode. This is the episode where you get to ask me questions. So we're mixing things up a bit around here. Of course, this is a podcast about learning to thrive, not just survive, no matter what our cancer diagnosis throws at us, and how, in the middle of our cancer, we can discover life doesn't have to be pain-free to be full, and then go live it. Because life is for living, after all, and Jesus came so we can have life in all its fullness. Abundant life, life to overflowing, and that life isn't off waiting in the future somewhere when your cancer's done. Nope, the full life he has for us is right here, right now, no matter what. And my goal is to help us live it. And each week I share a short story and we pray using our guided prayer format with the acronym TRUST. And I give you a spiritual or practical next step for the week ahead. But this week we're mixing things up and I couldn't be more excited for our first ever Ask Me Anything episode, where you get to call the shots. You get to ask me questions about anything and everything. And I promised to be an open book and that is the plan. But before we dive in, I wanted to mention that I've changed the name and some of the details on some of the questions simply to love you all well and hold your trust as we share each other's stories. So let's dive in and I'll kick off with a fun and lighthearted question that I have had from so many people. I couldn't even put a name to it because I had this question from lots of people and have had it multiple times over the years since we moved to America from England coming up for 15 years ago. I know, I can't believe that it's been that long. Our kids were so little. They were uh, eight, six, and three, almost four. Gosh, they were so little, but it was so fun. Anyway, the question that I keep getting asked over and over again 
is this. You love tea and always seem to have a mug of it in your hand, which is true. There's one right beside me right now. What's your favorite kind of tea and where do you get it? Okay, so I have to confess here that I am not really into fancy teas. Everyone expects me to like super posh teas or super exotic teas. But you know what? I love what we call in England builder's tea. It's your bog standard English breakfast tea. It's not even Twining's English breakfast tea or a fancy kind of breakfast tea from Harrods or Fortnum and Mason's. No, I love PG Tips. It's in every supermarket in England. I don't know how many people in England drink it, but it is one of the top brands and it is just your standard common old garden English tea. And I love it. I have it within about 30 seconds of waking up. I have multiple cups a day. And when I join my husband in a cup of tea, he has his tea at 10.30 in the morning. He's not a coffee drinker. I sometimes have coffee in the morning. But then we also have it at 3.30 in the afternoon. But I have to say, I do tend to drink more than that. And because I drink so much of the stuff, I don't buy it from our local supermarket. You can buy it here in America or you can buy it here in Charlotte, North Carolina, where we live. I have found it in our supermarket, but there are little boxes with only 40 tea bags per box. And quite frankly, that is not going to last me very long. So, and I hate to confess this, but I actually buy it on Amazon. You can get two boxes with 20, with 240 tea bags per box, and you can get two boxes together for a great price on Amazon. So there you go. The secret's out. I buy 480 tea bags at a time from Amazon. I know. I think they're shipped from England. But anyway, I buy them on Amazon. And I know I'd love to say that there is a little bespoke English tea shop here in Charlotte. And that's where I get my very posh Earl Grey or Lady Grey tea. But no, I do love my PG tips. Okay, well, we're really here to talk about cancer. And so I'm going to dive right in to the next question. And I'm not putting a name to this one because I wasn't actually given a name. But the question was this. I've just found out my daughter has cancer. How do I encourage her? She lives 250 miles away. And first off, I want to just say I am so sorry. It is hard times right now anyway, and I'm sure you're finding it really difficult to go and visit her. But I'm also really sorry because there is just something wrong about a parent watching their child suffer and being diagnosed with cancer is so, so difficult. Now, this person said that her daughter has got a strong faith but doesn't really want to talk about her cancer, which I get. Everybody deals with it differently. You might be listening thinking, yep, that's me. I don't want to talk about my cancer diagnosis with many people at all. But I know as a mum, that must be really, really hard. But because she's a woman of faith, I'm wondering whether one of the things that you can do, and I'm sure you're doing already, is to pray for her. But one of the ways that you might be able to hear more about how she is doing is to ask her specifically how you can be praying for her. What appointments does she have coming up? 
What side effects is she having from the chemo that you can be praying for? Of course, pray for her healing, pray for strength, pray for comfort and peace in the fear. When we specifically ask, how can I be praying for you today? Not only are we saying, I love you, I care about you, I want to pray for you and bring all that you're going through to God. It's saying, I know that today is different to tomorrow. How you're feeling right now might be different to how you're feeling tomorrow. It's a way of saying, I'm here with you in the mess. And there's lots of other things you can be doing as well. Maybe telling her that you're there for her, that you know that she doesn't want to talk about it, but when she does, or if she does, that you are always there for her. And then there are other things you can do. You can send her scripture, uh, maybe a little text her, a little encouragement, send her a card, or even send her a meal if you can, or flowers. There are lots of little specific things that you can do. And I have a lot of ideas that I have put in my book, Breathe Again, How to Live Well When Life Falls Apart, if you haven't read that. But I am so sorry that you are having to watch and have your daughter go through this from such a distance and and right in the middle of these pandemical times, as we call them. Okay, moving on to the next question. I had a question from Norma, who said that she has had Jesus-loving friends not stand by her. So this really wasn't a question as such, or phrased as a question. She just feels alone and let down, especially as these friends love Jesus. And yes, we do hold each other more accountable, don't we? When we know that people love Jesus are women of faith. So again, I want to start by saying, I'm just so sorry. That is so hard. And then I want to encourage you that Jesus will never leave you. That your friends who say they love him might have left, but Jesus never will. And I also want to say that this is their issue, not yours. I'm sure them not being around and being there for you is as much about their fears and their issues and not quite being comfortable or knowing how to love you well. So please don't add guilt or anything else to your plate. You have enough going on right now and the last thing you need is to feel guilty about your friends leaving you, whether it's something that you have done. But I know that it still hurts. You still feel alone. And as I heard a little kid once say, that Jesus doesn't have skin on. He's not here for us in tangible, practical ways. That does involve the hands and feet of people around us. So I want to encourage you, Norma, to find community and especially a community who understands where you're at, who can offer empathy and not just sympathy. So I would encourage you to find a cancer support group. Maybe there's one at your local church. Maybe there is one through your hospital or your oncology center. But finding people that you can connect with who understand what you're going through and can sit with you in the mess will be a huge, huge help. Again, I'm saying I am so sorry that that has happened. And Rebecca has asked, how do I love the person I've become enough to allow her to thrive? She's weak, anxious, obsessive, forgetful. And she says, I feel more of a burden than a blessing. Oh my goodness, how many times have the rest of us felt like this? Rebecca, if you're listening, you are not 
alone. So many of us, as we see who we were and all the things that we used to be able to do and the ways we used to love everyone, maybe we were the life and soul of the party and now we're a shadow of our former self and it is so, so hard. And we see those around us that we love and we feel like we are a burden to them not the blessing that we used to be. And I'm so sorry. That is so hard. It is so hard to see yourself become someone you don't recognize. The first thing I'd like to invite you to do is to intentionally take some time to grieve the loss and passing of your old self. To take some time to acknowledge that it's hard becoming someone that you are not used to being, that isn't able to be and do all that you used to be and do. Take some time to acknowledge how hard that is and what a loss it is to you and those you love. Then I want to encourage you to think about whether you need to now redefine what it means to thrive. Can it look different now? Can you have a different definition? Maybe thriving to you used to mean cooking for your extended family and being the life and soul of the party and hiking at the weekends. And now you just don't have the capacity to do those things. So maybe thriving now looks like intimate conversations with friends, sitting in the back garden, soaking in the sun with a wonderful cup of tea. Yes, back to the PG tips. But what can you do and be now that helps you thrive? And that leads me to two lists that I want to encourage you to make. And I got this idea from the wonderful Emily P. Freeman at the Next Right Thing podcast. She encourages us to write a life-giving list and a life-draining list. A life-giving list being all the things that you can do now that bring you life, that fill you up, that bring you joy, and help you feel more of who God created you to be. And then on the life-draining list, list all those things that zap your energy, shift your mental mindset to being lower and darker than the things that bring light then I want you to focus on doing and putting into your life intentionally things on the life giving list. And if you can, take off the life draining things. Maybe you need, as she says, a no mentor. Somebody who's going to help you put up boundaries, change your the soundtracks going on in your mind. Whatever it is, that list, those two lists are really, really helpful. I'd also want to encourage you to get help, professional help for any anxiety or depression that you mentioned, Rebecca. And also, just like I said to Norma, to find community, people who understand, people who can offer empathy and not just sympathy, people who can be there in the hard times for you. And you mentioned your family are finding it difficult that you aren't the person you used to be and even your kids are beginning to resent that. And I wonder whether there's a conversation that needs to be had around the dinner table where you can all talk openly and honestly about how this is impacting you all and how you can move forward. Maybe you can explain how difficult it is for you, how you hate that you have become more of a burden and you want to change things. You want to change your outlook. You want to change how you are around them. 
and give them an opportunity to say how they feel. And maybe you need to ask for their help in specific areas or tell them that you can be there for them in different ways now. So I hope that was really helpful, Rebecca. Okay, one of the questions I often get asked is, what books did you read while you were going through cancer? And I have to say, I'm not a huge reader. And one of the things I struggled with when I was going through cancer was that I almost felt too tired to read. I'm a slow reader. When I was a kid, everyone thought I was dyslexic. I read in my head about the same speed I would read out loud. And so reading felt a little bit like hard work. But what I did do was I got into some young adult fiction. It was easy. It was gripping. And as I would be up in the night with pain or just insomnia, I would read on my iPad. And I got really into the Maze Runner series. There's one, it's a little series that's kind of been made into a film and it's a bit like The Hunger Games, but not as macabre. And it's all set around these kids being put into a maze that they have to find their way out of. And I got totally sucked into those. However, those are not exactly the resources and encouragement one needs when is one's going through cancer. And what I found was people would give me devotions and devotions for going through cancer. But I found that I struggled to implement the encouragement during the day. I needed someone to show me how to trust God, how to find gratitude, how to let my weakness be his strength and for him to comfort and support me. I found them really encouraging, but I needed the practical how-to steps and I needed more of the BFF and coach cheerleader walking me through cancer day by day. And so that's why I ended up writing Breathe Again, because it's exactly that. It's the practical how-to. It's part best friend, part spiritual cheerleader, and 100% down to earth. So if you haven't read that, you might want to grab yourself a copy. But there were other books that I did find helpful. If you've been part of the Trusting God Through Cancer Summit, you might have met my friend Susan Sorensen, who wrote the book Praying Through Cancer. That is a really, really helpful book. Marissa Henley has a wonderful book that I found helpful for recommending to friends. Hers is called Loving Your Friend Through Cancer. So if you have people who don't know how to love you well or are asking what they can do for you, tell them to go and buy a copy of Marissa Henley's book. And there have been so, so many books published since I went through cancer, although it wasn't too long ago. But the publishing industry has really embraced helping people navigate pain and suffering of one type or another. I would highly recommend Kate Bowler's book, Everything Happens for a Reason, as well as my friend KJ Ramsey's book, this too shall last. Those are both great resources. Kate Bowler does have cancer. She lives with stage four colorectal cancer. And KJ Ramsey has an ongoing chronic health issue that means that she has no end date 
for what she is going through. And I could recommend both of those books highly. But I'd love to hear what you are reading. Tell me what is helping you as you journey through cancer. Okay, well, that wraps up this week's episode. And I have to say, I have really enjoyed it. And I hope you found this helpful and encouraging. Firstly, it's super helpful to know other people are struggling in the same way that we are and going through some of the same things that we are going through. And it helps us feel not so alone and hearing how they can deal with it and what they can do um, to help them. I hope that has hopefully encouraged you to do some of the same things. Now, normally at this point in the episode, we pray together using our guided prayer format with the acronym TRUST. But this week, I wanted to change things up a bit and I'm going to pray over you using a beautiful love letter from God to you written entirely in scripture. Now, if you've read my book, you'll know part of this because part of it went into the book and you may even have heard me read the entire thing before. But before you hit stop on the episode to go and put dinner on or do something else, I want to encourage you to stick around and take a moment to let these words from the Lord wash over you and in you and through you, whether it's for the first or the 500th time. These words are God-breathed. He wanted you to hear them and for them to heal and transform your hearts because he knew we would struggle. He knew in this world we'd have trouble, but these words are one of the many ways he says, I love you. I'm with you. I'm not going anywhere. I am your strength and comfort. So can I invite you to take a moment to close your eyes And as I always say, there's nothing spiritual about this. It just cuts down the distractions. And maybe take a moment to get comfy. Feel your feet on the floor and the chair beneath you. And take a deep breath. Breathe in Jesus. And breathe out, letting your shoulders relax. And let's do that again. Breathing in. Breathe in Jesus. And then out. And may his words minister deep into your soul. My dear sweet child, you may not know me, but I know everything about you. I know when you sit down and when you rise up, I am familiar with all your ways. Even the very hairs on your head are numbered, for you were made in my image. In me you live and move and have your being, For you are my offspring. I knew you even before you were conceived. I chose you when I planned creation. You weren't a mistake, for all your days are written in my book. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I knit you together in your mother's womb and brought you forth on the day you were born. I'm not distant and angry, but I'm the complete expression of love. And it's my desire to lavish my love on you simply because you are my child and I am your father. I offer you more than your earthly father ever could. Every good gift that you receive comes from my hand, for I am your provider and I meet all your needs. My plan for your future has always been filled with hope. 
because I love you with an everlasting love. My thoughts towards you are countless as the sand on the seashore, and I rejoice over you with singing. I will never stop doing good to you, and I want to show you great and marvelous things. If you seek me with all your heart, you'll find me. Delight in me and I will give you the desires of your heart. I'm able to do more than you could possibly imagine, for I am your greatest encourager. I'm also the father who comforts you in your troubles. When you're broken-hearted, I'm close to you. As a shepherd carries a lamb, I've carried you close to my heart. One day, I'll wipe away every tear from your eyes and will take away all the pain you've suffered on this earth. I am your father and I love you even as I love my son, Jesus. For in Jesus my love for you is revealed. He's the exact representation of my being. He came to demonstrate that I'm not counting your sins. His death is the ultimate expression of my love for you. I gave up everything I loved that I might gain your love. If you receive the gift of my son Jesus, you receive me. and nothing will ever separate you from my love again come home and i'll throw you the biggest party heaven has ever seen i have always been the father and will always be the father my question is will you be my child you've been listening to chemo chair prayers with me nikki hardy And my prayer is that this has given you one more way to discover that with God, life doesn't have to be pain-free to be full. And then go live it. Yes, life can be hard, really hard. And while God never promised us a perfect life, free of heartache and worry, he did promise us a full abundant life. And the truth is, it's not off in the future somewhere waiting for us when our cancer's over. Nope, the life he has for us might not be all we'd planned and imagined, but it is full of intimacy, connection, love, laughter and peace right in the midst of all we're going through. I always say thriving is a team sport, so please know we are in this together. And I'd love to hear how you're doing and how Chemo Chair Prayers has helped you in your journey. So why not come over to the Chemo Chair Prayers website? which is not just where some of the best discussions happen, but it's also where you can download a copy of your trust-guided prayer format in a handy-dandy bookmark. You'll also find me on Instagram and Facebook, so do come and say hello over there. Now, did you know that there are over 1.8 million people diagnosed with cancer each year? So if you found any encouragement from listening to Chemo Chair Prayers, Would you hit subscribe and leave a five-star review so others journeying through cancer can find it as well? Then why not recommend it to a friend who's been diagnosed, your cancer support group, or even your oncologist? And remember, my friend, you are loved and seen, and you've got this because he's got you. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever amen